<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Crown, woo, that's the one that got in my bones, yeah, got course. in my spirit, because the concept of not being able to please everybody, you have to get that through your head. You got to get that through your thick skull at some point. What's going on? Thank you for coming back to another episode of DX Daily. As you know, this is the podcast where we keep you up to date on everything hip-hop music culture. This podcast is brought to you by Hip Hop DX, and I am one of your lovely hosts, Asia Sky. And I'm your other host, A-Dub. It's Tuesday, and we have to talk about Freddie Gibbs because he was allegedly jumped while he was out in Buffalo, New York recently. Then we have an update on how Young Thug and Gunna are doing behind bars right now from Lil Got It. Eminem has some pretty high praise for Kendrick Lamar's new album. Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Meanwhile, Kendrick is over here breaking Apple Music records, and we gotta dive a little bit more into the album, talk about some of our favorite songs from it and some of our favorite themes from the project as well. Before we get into all of that, though, please follow the podcast. Please subscribe to us on all streaming platforms. Thank you. You know, we appreciate all of the support. Now let's jump in. Okay, so let's get started with Freddie Gibbs. I go on my Instagram timeline, I go on my Twitter timeline, and I just see this picture floating around of Freddie Gibbs with this swollen face, looking like he just got beat up, and then that's when I see the details of exactly what happened. Apparently, Freddie Gibbs was in town in Buffalo, New York for a show, and some guys ran up on him and kind of gave him the business a little bit. Yes, so um, the footage obtained by TMZ has everything that happened in the brawl. And they're saying it happened in Buffalo. It happened at Dinosaur Barbecue. And in the clip, it's several men jump on top of Freddie Gibbs. If you see the clip, he's wearing like a green shirt. And they're saying that he was tossed around like a rag doll. And Freddie Gibbs eventually pops back up in an attempt to fight them off. But then they just keep coming at him. So it was a it was a crazy video. Yeah. And being that it happened in Buffalo, New York, it brings up the question, Okay, who does Freddie Gibbs have beef with that is in or from Buffalo, New York? And of course, the answer is Benny the Butcher. So a lot of people are saying, oh, these are Benny the Butcher's people that did it. There's no official way to prove that at this moment. You know, we can't we can't say it because Benny the Butcher was not there. But that's the the working theory here is that these are associates or affiliates of Benny the Butchers that did this. And, you know, Freddie Gibbs, of course, took to the Internet to address the issue, as he does with a lot of different things. And in this text messages and these alleged leaked texts that surfaced online, Freddie Gibbs said, 20 dudes deep and this is all they did they couldn't even take my ish referring to his chains and his jewelry he said tell them to come harder next time although it hasn't like we said hasn't been confirmed that it's Benny's people but that is the automatic assumption from it looks like Freddie fans and news outlets alike Freddie also showed some videos and photos like of him with his jewelry on. So he still had his chain. I know there was a a rumor going around that they took his chain. They robbed him as well as beat him up. But according to Freddie, they couldn't take his chain from him. And he just got like beat up and has a swollen face and all these bruises now. So that's pretty much the foundation of what happened with Freddie Gibbs getting jumped. Dang, couldn't even couldn't even go to Buffalo, New York and eat some barbecue without getting hands put on him. That's crazy. 
Right. Imagine you just going up there to get some food real quick and then you just get trampled by 20 plus people. I can't even imagine. Wow. What I will say about this, if you can find a positive side to it, if you want a glass half full it, at least nobody pulled out a gun and shot anybody. Because a lot true. of the time, that's that's what that escalates to, whether it be in response from the person getting attacked or the person getting jumped, then they pull out the weapon and shoot somebody to try and get out of that situation or the people in that situation that are attacking the person, they want to do as much harm as possible. So they want, they wind up shooting them. So, you know, if we want to be positive about it. At least no one was shot. You know, it wasn't a fair fight, but at least, you know, Freddie Gibbs lives another day to tell the tale. And yeah, that's hopefully where it will end. Yeah. Just a little swollen face. It'd be okay. All right, now let's talk about Young Thug and Gunna because, as we know, they're still locked up right now. And YSL has just been going through so much lately, even with the passing of Lil' Keed, who's also a YSL artist. It's just been a lot going on with them. So uh, Lil' Keed's family member, Lil' Got It, actually spoke out about Young Thug and Gunna recently, and he has spoken to them directly. So he gave us a, a little bit of an update about how they're doing behind bars and how they're feeling about Lil' Keed's death. Yes, yeah, so he took to his Instagram stories and basically said, talk to Young Thug yesterday. Keed, you effed him up with this one, but we know you're guarding him through these times and make sure he's going to be all right. We the proud family, can't nothing stop us. Then he said, talk to Gunna. He good, just sad what's going on with Twin, but everything going to be in our favor. Mm-hmm. I hope it is. I hope so for y'all. Yeah, not a great situation to be in. You don't know really how to feel about it. It's like you want to feel bad for them and you don't know what really happened. You don't know the ins and outs of it. You don't know the details. Yeah, just best of luck. Best of luck, Thug, Gunna, Keed, Lil Got It. Well, not Keed, but obviously rest in peace to him. But yeah, there's not much you can do in this situation. You just got to pay that money to those lawyers and, and let them do their work and hopefully they obtain the best outcome possible. Exactly. Yeah, all right. Well, let's move on to something more positive, man. Kendrick Lamar dropped Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. As you know, last week we mentioned, you know, we were going to talk a little bit more about the album, but it seems like M had some high praise for the project because he jumped on social media to talk about it recently, and he said, yo, at Dr. Dre, this Kendrick album is effing ridiculous. I'm speechless. (laughs) Now, a lot of people were wondering, okay, like, why is he getting on Twitter to tell Dr. Dre this? So I think some people, if you don't know, you know, the the connection between Dr. Dre and Kendrick, they might be like, huh? But of course, um, Kendrick didn't have any Dr. Dre production on this album per se. Uh, so that's not the connection, but it's because Dre is the founder of Aftermath Entertainment and that is affiliated with Interscope Records. Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers was released via PG Lang, Top Dog Entertainment and Aftermath and Interscope. So that's where the whole Dr. Dre tie-in comes in with that. But uh, it was good to see Eminem publicly give Kendrick this praise for this album because, I mean, it it was pretty undeniable. Yeah, exactly. And then once Eminem had posted that, it got about 16,000 likes and 500 comments. People just going back and forth in Eminem's Twitter comment section. Some agreeing with Eminem and also some not agreeing with Eminem. But I think for Eminem to come out and say that he was speechless on the album, I think two days after it dropped, um, I think... Eminem meant that like it probably was speechless 
Yeah, and M is a bars guy, and that's what Kendrick was giving us all throughout this album. So you even actually had some comparisons. Uh, people were like, you know, this is kind of that same lane. He's kind of rapping in that same way that Eminem does, where he's just like fast, coming at you bars after bars after bars. So with all of that being the case, I could see why Eminem felt especially moved by that. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, speaking of people being moved by this album, apparently it has been moving these units, doing these numbers, doing these streams because Mr. Morale and the Big Stepper, according to Apple, is going to uh, break the record for first-day streams on their platform. Um, they put it out in a tweet. They said, shout-out to at Kendrick Lamar. KDOT's Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers had the most first-day streams for an album released so far in 2022. However... They didn't reveal what that amount of streams was or what that number was. So that leads me to believe it's a crazy number. Like, if y'all are going to say he had the biggest first day streams and then not tell us what the amount was, I feel like it had to be some astronomical amount. Yeah, it had to have been because they usually are big on numbers. So why wouldn't they have said it? But it makes sense. It has to be big. And if it's the most streamed this year so far, we've had like a bunch of other big albums come out so far. It's only May. So that's kind of impressive. And they didn't say the biggest hip hop album. They said the biggest Ooh, album. True. So that's, you know, that's crazy. And then just reading these different projections about first week sales, the first ones that came out, the first projections were saying somewhere between 300 and 350,000. Now I'm seeing upwards of 400,000 uh, album equivalent unit projected sales for Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. So. I know this is going to be one of, if not the biggest album release of the year as far as first week sales go. Like, it's, it's Kendrick. And when your last album is Damn and it did 600,000 copies first week, it's not far-fetched to believe that this one will do 400,000. Like, I can believe that easy, honestly. Yeah, I can believe that, too. I can't wait until they actually do put out the full numbers, though. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see this this coming weekend, I guess. I, I, I'm just excited, man. This is such a dope album. Can we get into some of our favorite songs from it? Because I know we wanted to talk about that this week. Like, what are some of your top songs off Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers? Yes, so my top three, I just have like a, I like the whole album, but I'm gonna go on a top three for me. But I found myself always playing back in 95, um, also playing back Rich Spirits and Purple Hearts. I play those all the time. What's your favorites? Oh, yeah. N95 is definitely in mine, too. I got to start with United in Grief, though. It's like if I go in order, like United in Grief, I think it's just a powerful intro. It's a, a fierce way to open up the album. It lets you know what the album is about to be about. It sets the tone. Just like, all right, this is the topics that we're hitting on. This is how heavy we are about to get. So I enjoy United in Grief. And then I would say after that, N95 is another one of my go-tos, similar to you, just because I feel like N95 encourages people to see themselves for who they really are. When he goes into take off this, take off that, take off all of these external things, these material things that the world kind of tells you is important, the cars, jewelry, clothes, looks, makeup, all of that, take all of that off. And who are you really as a person? Who are you inside? It makes you look in the mirror. It holds up a mirror to people. So I really like N95 for that reason. And then Father Time, that was another one where I feel like Kendrick really dug deep. He gets into his relationship with his father and just how, quote unquote, tough love can really affect you in the long run. 
as an mm-hmm. not only as a kid but well into your adult years as we hear him talk about on the song he goes into toxic masculinity even that line like when he um says how he can't comprehend that drake and kanye west got back together and pieced it up and squashed things kendrick as a grown man couldn't see why drake and Kanye are back cool after everything that went down. Two people of that stature able to put their problems aside and just be back good with each other after so much has happened. And it's just like, dang, okay. I'm glad that he admitted he still has some room to grow because Mm -hmm. as you look at Kendrick, you feel like he's so evolved, but then he like, well, wait, how is Drake and Kanye back cool? (laughs) That that was interesting to hear too. So um, just all the things he touched on in Father Time, I really liked and same another one purple hearts <laughs> we got that one that that's like one of the fan favorites though honestly that at least i've been seeing online and rightfully so the marriage yeah. of the old and new on purple hearts is fire to me like who would think summer walker and ghostface would be on the same song in the year 2022 that's an unlikely combination like i feel like nobody would have ever saw that coming that's on nobody's bingo card but it's everything we needed and we have to thank kendrick for that oh another one crown crown Woo, that's the one that got got in my bones got in my spirit because the concept of not being able to please everybody you have to get that through your head you got to get that through your thick skull at some point that's what I was saying to myself when I was hearing this song because all of my people that have a hard time saying no I know y'all felt this like whether it's saying no to people you love uh, saying no to your job your friends family whatever it is like it's not humanly possible to do everything that people may ask of you or to help somebody every time they need help or to do everything you can like you're gonna spread yourself thin so thin that you will have nothing left for yourself and I feel like that's what Kendrick was getting at on that song and I was like preach where's the collection plate at this point because he is spreading the word he's spreading the message and it needed to be received at that time so that's another one yeah I'll say those are probably my faves yeah those are solid ones and I want to give an honorable mention to that we cry together with him and um actress Taylor Page because it's not, even though it's not like a song I would always listen to but when you off a of first listen and it's the argument dynamic them going back and forth but then he kind of hits on um some kind of serious topics where he was like you know why don't R&B women do features together and things like that? And Taylor Page's part is talking about men do this to make women feel this. So it's kind of like some deep moments. And I think a lot of people um, considered that song and it reminded them of Eminem because of the whole arguing and fighting of like, if Eminem talks about his ex-wife, Kim and things like that, but a lot of people saw that comparison. But I like to read Cry Together as something unique to listen to on the album but I don't know if I play it all the time but Mm -hmm. as far as the idea of it it was pretty like interesting yeah he gave us so many different dynamics on this album and you gotta love it man when Kendrick goes into rapping from other perspectives or he does something different like we cry together which is basically a skit and I saw Mm -hmm. a lot of people taking it literally online like oh Kendrick said this about women or he was calling her a b-word and all of this and it's just like this is Look at this as a a play or a movie in audio form, because that's really what that song was. I know people were jokingly calling it Baby Boy 2 and uh, Malcolm and Marie 2 and all of that. So a lot of people got it, but I saw some people pulling certain lyrics and, and taking them 
extra literally as if Kendrick was saying it. So just got to clear that up too. Like you got to, you got to really listen to the music and try to digest and understand it. Don't just look for a problem or look for something to take issue with, with it. But yeah, I, I enjoyed We Cry Together as well. I know a lot of people did. So yeah, those are some of the main, some of the main ones. And then you got those tracks like uh, Mother Eye Sober, where that's probably like the deepest one for me. One of the deepest ones. Um, where he goes into all of his family life and just gets gets very, very personal, which we called here on this podcast. I remember when he dropped the album artwork and I said, that's Kendrick's family. He's showing us his family. This is going to be his deepest project and he's going to really tell us about his home life and what he's been going through with his partner, his kids, his parents, everybody. Like, I feel like he was really going to get deep into that. And he definitely went into that on uh, Mother I Sober and the song about his aunt, who he says his aunt is now a man. Like, all of that, man. Kendrick gave us so much to digest on this album. Like, I feel like we could go on for for hours about this. Yeah, we easily could because there's just so much and it continues when people listen more to the album, more articles and stuff come out about what was Kendrick trying to say. And of course, things like, you know, that Dissect podcast that stay breaking down Kendrick Lamar stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see like what else they're going to unpack from this album because it's really only been five days, couple days now. So. Right, yeah. Well, what do you think Kendrick was trying to tell us with this album, though, lastly? And we'll close it out with this. Like, what do you think the overarching message of this is? Hmm. I don't know if there's, like, a, an overall, like, one set message, but people were bringing up, you know, it's been, like, five years and so much has happened within the five years, like COVID-19 and, um, you know, LGBTQ and trans and um, the riots and things like that. So I think... Granted, I don't know when exactly he wrote these songs. They were like in the moment and he kind of like put them out now or he was like still had them like on his on his mind and then put it out like or wrote them like a week or month ago. But I feel like he hit on a bunch of different topics that were big in the last five years. So I think it's kind of interesting to see like his basically I guess his input because on like, for example, the Auntie Diaries, where it's like everybody was like oh he's like pro trans or things like that because his family members are now from women to men and things like that so it's kind of interesting to see like his standpoint on a lot of things I think he like you said we talked about him being vulnerable on this album I think it's kind of like just getting everything out like he's been so mute in the past couple of years so really just we're getting to hear him talk and what he thinks so I think just letting everything out I don't know if I have a exact message of what it would be but I think just being vulnerable and just speaking, to be honest. Got it. What you so, think? So you think it was his worldview and his perspective. Yeah, I, I agree with that to an extent. I also do think, though, there there was yeah. a message of, like, him trying to inspire people to go on a journey of self-reflection and self-healing by telling his journey, uh, his entertaining, emotional, full of bars, uh, full of great production over all of those elements, him telling his own journey of self-reflection, self-healing. I think he wants to inspire other people in the world to do the same due to all that's been happening, due to all of these things that he taps into on the album, all of those things that you just mentioned. I think he wants to inspire people to act based on that. Go into who you really are. Go into your mind. Go into your psyche and realize why you do some of the things you do 
And whatever you don't like, change that. Whatever you do like, do more of that. Whatever is positive, whatever is great, keep doing more of that. Focus on your family. Repair those family relationships. Uh, heal that trauma. All of that. I think that's one of the wider or broader messages of this album, too. Even though there there were many. I do believe that there were many different ones. But I think that was one of the biggest ones, for sure. Yeah, I could definitely see that, too. He did touch on a couple of those topics, especially like in 95, where he's like, you know, take the chains off or take this off and things like that. And even on Purple Hearts, he was like, I pray that you find like a love that is what you've been looking for and like things like that. So that's definitely in the album as well. Agreed. Well, I I know we could keep on talking about this, but we're going to extend this discussion online and on our social media. So definitely make sure you tap in with us there. I'm at Asia Sky on everything. Asia is spelled A-S-H-I-A and Sky is spelled S-K-Y-E. So that's where you can find me. And you can find me at A-Dub on everything, which is A-Y-E-E-E-D-U-B-B. All right. We're going to keep talking about it. In the meantime, that is going to conclude today's episode of DX Daily. As always, subscribe to this podcast on all platforms. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, which is Hip Hop DX. And be sure to follow us on all of our socials, like our Instagram, our Twitter, and our TikTok, which is all Hip Hop DX. Yep. All right. We will be back at you tomorrow with more daily news. See ya. See ya.